1: NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh.
0: Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Ooh. Back jumper. Got, Got it. it! Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast Network I am one of your hosts, Ty Windish, joined as always by my inquisitive co-host Rohan Kadi. Rohan, how are you?
2: Doing well. It's been a while since I've been on the pod since we've been talking about it beforehand. So it's good to be it's good to be back.
0: Exactly. It's it's great to have you, and it's great to be joined by our guest, who's had one hell of a two year run. Uh, but bef- less than two years ago, started as head coach of the, Wisco- the Wisconsin herd led them to the best record in the g league the season gets shut down joins the Bucs staff or is part of the buck staff a little while passes we won't talk about the bubble right now the bucks win a championship now in australia ready to begin as head coach of the sydney kings chase buford it's been quite a ride how's it going
1: oh it's going good ty rohan thanks for having me on excited to talk to you guys yeah it's it's been a wild last month or so since getting the job and winning a championship and now being here, but it's been a heck of a ride.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I, I have to ask you something right off the bat. I do not know if you subscribe to this philosophy or not. It's been a contentious point of debate. Should we refer to you as coach?
0: Oh, yeah, that is a hot debate right now.
2: Well, I, I don't know. Chase is fine, but hey, no, <laughs> no, I don't know. Jason Garrett came out and addressed reporters said, please call me coach. So I don't oh, know yeah, if no. you subscribe to that <laughs> philosophy. I'm
1: gonna go like Dion. It's Coach Buford actually. Well <laughs> no, if you guys saw his press conference, uh yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Coach Buford, um, <sighs> let's let's start with the uh with the championship run we just mentioned. I mean, you're you're along for the ride, so to speak. It's a hell of a ride. I have some questions about some specific moments, but just you know, from the whole run, whether it's you know, game by game, individual moments, stuff at practice, the celebration, which I'm sure was very memorable, both right afterward and the parade. You know, what sticks out to you immediately as someone who was a part of that championship Bucks team?
1: I think just what a what a special group of guys it was to be around. Um, you know, it, it, this year for everybody, you know, no fans, then fans, you know, COVID protocols. It was a lot, a lot for everybody. I think the resiliency of our group, you really saw, obviously, at the end of the year, um, it came to fruition, but you saw that in the building throughout, and and we, you know, we took an approach this year that we're going to find things out as the year goes on, and we're going to learn about ourselves and learn the best way we can, you know, compete and win, and just... The The mindset of our group, it never wavered, you know, down in playoffs, whatever it was, COVID, whatever it was. Uh, they just stick to the task. Uh, we stuck, you know, what was in front of us, control what we can control and and go out and compete. And the way the guys did that, especially down the stretch this season, was really, really fun to watch.
2: I'm glad you said the term resiliency because that's a, that's a term that I was using to describe this team as we were covering it throughout the playoffs. Because it just seemed like every time they got hit with something, they were ready to come back, come back right away. Again, they were down 0 to multiple series, especially in that game, uh, in that series versus Brooklyn in the second round. You get hit with an absolute sledgehammer in game two. And even game three was a rock fight. You mentioned this team is really resilient to special group. How does that come to fruition? How does, like, you as a part of the coaching staff, how do you sort of navigate that around the team? Is it more like a hands-on approach, a hands-off approach, like the players, they know what to do? Or do you, is there something you guys need to need to do in order to, you know, get your team back into the running in the series?
1: Well, I think it's, it's a combination of
2: a few things. I think first it
1: speaks to the personalities and the, and the consistency of character that our leadership group had, whether it's Giannis and Chris and Drew, just being the same consistent people they are every day Um, to Bud and his staff, you know, consistent with the message, you know, they don't try to do too much or get crazy with it. We're going to be consistent in what we do and do it at a high level. And I think it, it all played into it. I mean, again, you know, the leadership, the consistency of work, the program. I think it it, it, it it's a culmination of things. It, it's a culmination of work too over time. And I think the respect and the trust that that group had in each other through the work and through the consistency of their just their characters and their personalities, it helped. I mean, you you can. You can be crazy or you can be wild and hope that works too but I think our group was just consistent and and that helped with the resiliency
0: I want to ask about you know Bud in particular I feel like someone who certainly kind of unfairly maligned before this run by a lot of Bucks fans too stubborn too rigid always dropping not switching blah 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 all the things that you know people like us love to say and you know, people like you who know the game a 100 times more, I know a lot more of the reasoning for it and everything else. But obviously the defense did switch this year and everything else. But just I want to ask about Bud in general, you know, what is it like kind of being around him, being, being on his staff, working with him? And is there anything that you picked up, whether it's, you know, something you can take as a coach or just that you didn't know about him that you may have learned from being around the Bucs on this run?
1: Hey, you know, you say the defense switched up. It's funny. When we get to play in Brooklyn and, and Phoenix, the series that matters, we kind of fell back yeah. into our home base a little Especially bit. Especially Brooklyn, yeah. And, and you think about, you know, you think those are the guys that would tear center field apart more than anyone, and it's what yeah. got us over the line. Um, but going back to Bud, I just – I think, one, oh, he's such a smart coach. He understands the game. He understands – where efficient shots and, and plays come from on both sides of the ball and setting up the team to take advantage of that over the long run. And, and, and again, it might not be every play, but it's the culmination of, of percentages over the time. I think he understands that really well, but again, it, it goes back to his personality. And I think the staff, Darvin, you know, saying everybody, Charles, Ben on down the line, it's just a consistent group. You know, you come in, it's not too high, not too low. Um, we're going to come in and work every day and that's just who they're about. And, and Bud, I give Bud a ton of credit. He was so, um, adaptable, uh, whether, you know, talk about going back, but we did, we switched some versus Atlanta, we did things. And we, we, like I said earlier, we, we experimented throughout the year to get to that point and to be ready. And I, I, give our group, the players and coaching staff, a bunch of credit for, for learning and then, and being ready to, to put into effect what we learned throughout the course of the season.
2: So we've gone through the immediate moment of winning a championship. Let's sort of go backwards to where this all started, where Ty was going through your sort of timeline here. You become the head coach of the Wisconsin Herd, and Ty is very familiar with this. It's just, it's an absolute whirl- whirlwind. You guys are just a juggernaut throughout the entire league. It's uh, its an insane run for your first time as a head coach for the G League. It's, talk me through that moment of getting that job and sort of getting through to this moment and how did that culminate with all the players and was there just what was the what was the magic formula for that team good players uh no we we had a great group of guys our staff was fantastic
1: Dennis Cuds Chase and Allen John Little were all uh really really impactful as well as you know our, our medical and performance team all those things but you know getting the getting the job it was a world for a few years of something I wanted to do and test myself and getting the opportunity to come work for coach Bud and the staff that i would had a relationship previously in Atlanta was just like a dream come true. And, you know, you go through camp and you got a guy like Frank Mason, Jayhawk, like myself, who I'm obviously very familiar with and ends up being our MVP was really cool. But, uh, you know, going into the season, we got our butts kicked the first scrimmage. We gave up 121 points and three quarters. And then we come out the first game of the year, we get trounced again. It definitely didn't feel like we were going to be rolling all year long. But again, kind of credit to the same, our group, the same way the Bucks do. We were consistent. We worked, watched film. We got better. And I think you saw the strides guys made throughout the year. You know, Rayjean was so great. He got called up and we didn't skip a beat. You know, we, we everybody else stepped up, Jalen, Frank, Jamario. It was, it was a fun group to be a part of. And we just, the guys really bought into what we preached. We talked about being competitive, being together, all the same things you hear from Bud and talked about toughness. I think that's an important quality in the G League and our guys had it in spades and it was just a really fun group to be a part of. I was so devastated we didn't get a chance to to compete for a championship but I, I wish all those guys nothing but the best in their careers.
0: It's, they're a great group of guys. I just want to something you can't say I don't think but the Wisconsin Herd should have had coach of the year and executive of the year for that season. I'm just gonna you don't have to say it don't even nod but you talk about a great great group of players. I mean there were four players of the month in the G League in that shortened season, three of them. Wisconsin heard three different players, Frank Mason, Jalen Adams, Ray John Tucker, It's just kind of three different segments of the season. Obviously, Ray John's so great early, Jalen had a moment and also got a Team USA nod. Frank Mason was tremendous, um, certainly a great all around team. And of course, your your coaching job, getting them the number one with some flux. Of course, every team in the G League experiences that, but it's still just something I maintain. But. Um, a, a question about some of those players that I haven't named two of them with the Bucks Summer League team right now. Somehow we're already to Summer League, but Brandon Randolph and Jamario Jones. And I just would love to hear maybe a quick breakdown from you on, on those guys as players or, or persons, whichever, um, just for any Bucks. Well, obviously a lot of Bucks fans listening, but for Bucks fans listening to the pod.
1: Yeah, I'll start with J.J. because he was probably the the rock and soul oh, yeah. of our team. Uh, if you watch us play in the G League, he was such a fun guy to coach. You know, all the skills you could imagine maybe other than shooting the ball. But what he brings is a person and, and the uh, the – spirit and the, the laughs and just the the camaraderie that that individual made our I, I feel he was such a big part of our culture and our environment it was so fun to be get a chance to coach him and you know he's been i can get a skin rash is what's kept him out of a few games in summer league and he plays this morning and has some highlight plays he's just he's so fun to watch and play with as a player um such a competitor and Dolph. you know it, it was it was an interesting one. I liked him a lot in the draft process. We ended up going with Shannon, who was a great player for our team. And I think maybe Dolphin got picked ahead of us. I'm not sure, but didn't make the team he was on. And we kept, you know, when Rajon got called up, we had an open roster spot. And I was like, let's go get that guy. And immediately he came in and added value to our group, started some games. And everyone in the summer league just talks about how much he's even grown more and more since that time. And you see it. He's had some great games so far in summer league. He's a physical athlete that I think, you know, probably just starting to scratch the surface of a little bit of what he can do.
2: Yeah. You're, you're a fan of Jamaria's uh, that behind the back, uh, that pass That was, that was really good. That was really good. Uh, league, this man, hashtag league, this man, that was a solid tweet. But, uh, you, you mentioned that it was just such a great group. It was such a great ride in that team. It must've been absolutely just heart wrenching and crushing to not be able to compete in the playoffs or even, go to the bubble in general. I know, I know it's probably not the, your favorite thing to talk about, but sort of walk us through that mentality.
1: Yeah, I would say not going to get the chance to compete with the group we had was infinitely harder than not getting to compete in the bubble. I think the really sad thing for that team was we were, you know, I think Rudy gets sick on a Wednesday night. We were supposed to travel the next day to Erie and, We, you know, we ended up not getting on the plane and they tell I was like, Well, let's get the group together. And you know, Coda calls it like we can't we can't get everybody together. And it was like I wanted to have a, a group moment where we could all sit there and hug each other and say goodbye and thank each other for a great year. And to not get that opportunity was the hardest thing, I think. No matter what happens in a season, win or lose, you have that moment in the locker room with the guys and you you get to you know, again, share those hugs, share those memories, but that, that group was robbed of that opportunity. And that's, that's one
0: that'll hurt me for a long time. So when the, when the herd doesn't go to the bubble, are you with the Buck staff throughout? Is there, is there, I know there was some time off where just the whole league was off, you know, for a few months there. Um, But what, what was that process like as the head coach of a team who unfortunately didn't make the trip down to the G league bubble?
1: Yeah. You know, it was a lot of the preseason trying to weigh up pros and cons and the unknowns and the knowns what the league was giving us. And um, as an organization, we came to the point where we just we didn't know enough to make the, the commitment to do it. And so it was it ended up being a great opportunity for me to, to learn and get to go kind of back to the NBA a little bit. I'd spent three, four years in the G League and now. Get to go be around nba guys again watch a bunch of games it was it was great I, obviously i missed the hell out of coaching and i ended up going to the bubble with our guys that we sent and mamadi e was fantastic it was fun to be a part of and sam and jordan before they got called up but um yeah it, it uh the the bubble going to there was, was tough but i think getting to to be around the box was a hell of a consolation and something i enjoyed and when it happens like this in the end of the day uh, you no know, complaints at all. It's funny, I thought back about it, you know, a lot of those G League coaches that went to the bubble and with the caps on how many people you can have in your building, end up getting left out of, of the NBA team for majority of the season. And, I'm, you know, maybe that would have happened to me. And the what ended up happening was a great development opportunity for me personally to get to, to see those guys go on that run. So.
2: Yeah, it it did work out for you personally. Like you mentioned, you get to join the Buck staff, sort of. Beyond what was, what was sort of your role on that team? I know you you've said like previously that you were just sort of a guy who was around to put it the most to like uh, just in the most simple way possible. But what was your sort of like daily routines with the team? How were you interacting? What was your role within the rest of the coaching staff?
1: Yeah, no, it was great. I think, again, the relationships I had with the staff previously helps a ton. They, they were really um, inclusive and, and, and positive to in, in embracing me and, and allowing me to have a voice and a role. Um, I think initially there were some things that worked with Bud trying to understand some of the numbers, but as it, it kind of grew and I went to the bubble, building the relationship with the young guys and then coming back and now it's like, oh, well, they don't have as many opportunities to play as we go into late in the season. Um, you know, putting those guys in, in play groups every day and, and working hard, trying to, to keep them developing and keep them competing and, and getting better while maybe the on-court opportunities are, are are less. And you know, again, I talked about like those trenches group. They're a fun group. They like to compete. They got after it. Um, and you know, it's hard playing against the same four or five guys for two three months in non competitive games with the same ref and whatever every game. So credit to them. They they kept growing. It was fun to see. And you know allowed the coaches to focus on the guys who were going to help us win.
0: So We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day
2: Call, click com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: So a lot of people probably don't know, and this is something that I don't know how common it is throughout the G League. I know I hadn't seen it in the herd building before, but that wasn't that much of an adjustment for you to actually be working with the players because, I mean, I would see you in pregame every game, running through some drills with some guys, giving some hands on coaching, even as a head coach. So, you know, how does that kind of factor into what you see as – I guess the, the role of a coach. Cause I think a lot of people from the outside probably think, you know, calling the right plays and, and scripting up the, the right coverages. And I'm sure there's, a, I mean, oh, there's a lot more than that. I mean, relationship building, you know, managing relationships, all of that. Um, and of course the, the in-game schematic calls too, but how, how do you look at like that player development aspect as not even just being part of your roles when you're with the box, but also as, as a head coach, like with the herd and presumably with Sydney as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, that's where I cut my teeth as a guy who worked developing players. And, you know, it was Bobby and some of the guys in Chicago when I got my first opportunity and to see that come for full circle was really special. But um, no, I mean, it, it's what I love to do. It's fun to get out there and work with guys. I remember when Brett Brown was the coach in Philly and, and Joel was young. You'd see him out there pregame working on Joel and then probably a little bit of a rarity in the NBA. But I think guys feed off of that. You know, the sweat equity is important and they, they have more respect and, and more faith and trust, hopefully in you, when you show you're willing to get in there and and do whatever it takes to help them get better. Um, and I, I, our whole staff was, was so great on that. They bought in everything and they, they really invested themselves in the players and the players recognized that and, and in turn respected and, and gave everything back for the coaching staff. It was fun, fun group again, to be a part of. I know I keep saying it, but it was just, I think everybody in that team, would say that was probably the most fun they've had in a basketball season up until obviously it got shut down.
2: So you mentioned player development is your sort of thing, and obviously you have the reputation for it. Uh, how do you see that sort of fitting in with the uh, the NBL? I know they, they're they starting to push their next star program and sort of being like a, more of an option for uh, for other prospects, people who don't want to go to college in the United States, people who want to go to college in the United States and aren't American. How do you see that sort of fitting in? And is that good for like the NBL as a whole? Because you're getting more prospects. Like uh, obviously the most famous one is uh, LaMelo Ball going from the NBL. And now it's rookie of the year. Do you see this being like a very, very expansive thing? And how do you see yourself sort of managing the, the next star slot on your team as well as just your team overall? How do you keep that balance between development and competing?
1: Yeah, I think you know that's something that we'll we'll figure out in the MBL as we go along. You know, Lamelo is a heck of a player. Um, you know, in his year there, that team specifically didn't have as much success. Giddy was terrific. I mean, their team again didn't make the playoffs. It doesn't. That's not to say that that's Giddy's fault. They're like they're young players. They're growing. They 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 were great, and now they've shown. Lamelo has shown he can come into an NBA team and be a part of a winning team right away. Uh, and I think probably that high level competitive nature that he was in the year before infinitely helped him be ready um, for the NBA. And hopefully we'll see that from Giddy and some of these other guys we have knock on wood, we'll, we'll hopefully be signing next car who could be impactful and, and help yeah. us. And hopefully we can help them and be a, a mutually beneficial relationship. But it's interesting. I'm, I'm eager to see with the new NIL rules and the overtime of lead and, it's going to be a new landscape over the next few years with high school kids having a ton of options and, you know, they'll be able to make the best decision or what they feel is the best decision for themselves. And there'll be, you know, more opportunities than ever before.
0: Definitely. So it is, it's, it's exciting. I think it's, it's probably good. I think it's good for the players. It's going to be good. It seems like the Ignite team has worked out so far. A lot of those guys got drafted very high. Overtime elite is fun. So but I want to talk about just ask you, really. I mean, we we ran through your, your last two years or so, and obviously as you mentioned, other stops before that in the NBA and the G League. But you know, now from head coach of a G League team on the bench of an NBA team, now leading a team in Australia. I mean, when you started out as a as a coach or as I think a video coordinator first, correct or no? Video intern, yeah. Video intern. But, there it is. Way yeah. lower than the coordinator. <laughs> But, you know, when you started out on this coaching journey, we'll say, um, did you ever expect, you know, across three leagues and, and two continents by, by this point already?
1: Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't have many expectations. You just kind of focus on the job in front of you and it takes you to where you want to go or it takes you to the next spot. I, I, it's an amazing opportunity that I've been given. And I'm really humbled and honored to, to lead a program that's, you know, had some great players, some great coaches through the years, come in and, and as part of a league that's growing, and basketball in Australia obviously has been growing for a long time. And with the bronze medal, will only continue to get bigger. Um, but you know, I always wanted to coach overseas. I thought it would be a really cool learning opportunity. I envisioned it would be Europe probably before, but um, this this worked out. It ended up coming about kind of late, and it was something intrigued me. And you know, here we are. But I've witnessed firsthand there's, you know, it can take a left turn out of nowhere and you can lose a job or go to the next place. And you just got to keep working and, you know, investing in where you're at and the rest of the stuff will take care of itself later.
2: How, how late are we talking? How, how did this process uh, sort of come about for you becoming the head coach? Yeah. So, uh,
1: Will Weaver, who's now a coach of the Rockets was G league coach of the year, the year before, uh, I I was coached there. um, came to Milwaukee when the Rockets played a week after KPJ dropped 50 on us in Houston and so I made him buy at the public market and we <laughs> sat and I just kicked the brain about the uh, the experience he had and, and want to know how how it was and he spoke so highly of it you know kind of was almost said he wished he could have stayed longer the opportunity for him being close to home in Houston was just too much to pass up but what a great team organization but more just the experience I wasn't even thinking Kings at that point just thinking overseas coaching And my interest probably sparked some conversations between his old relationships there and kind of started talking throughout the Miami and Brooklyn series. And by the end of the Brooklyn series was pretty much locked up. And I I mentioned this, somebody else was like, I kind of knew it was coming probably around game six of Brooklyn. And like, we're going into it. Like this could be the last game of the season. You don't know. Like I could be heading to Australia in a week. And sure enough, we, we win and win game seven. What a special night that was. And it's like, Oh, shit, now we're able to go to the finals. looks like it's going to be a little (laughs) bit longer. Obviously, the motions and the ups and downs, the Atlanta series, it was just, it was wild the whole time. I mean, and culminating in the wild ending in Phoenix. I mean, COVID protocols, everything. It was just, it was hard to keep my head on straight. But again, you got to focus and invest on where you're at and try to pay as much attention to the playoffs and the finals as you can.
0: Absolutely. I got one quick fastball for you on the way out here. Do you have a, a, a go-to Giannis and or Chris story? We'll certainly take either. Big fans of Chris Middleton on this podcast. But just being around them, you know, it's not necessarily a team that I think lets a lot show through. Although the all-access videos have been great. But um, is there any any moment with either of those guys or both that, that kind of sticks out to you? I think
1: the. I mean, it, it's hard to say anything new about Giannis and Chris that hasn't already been said. I don't know if there's, there's one moment that speaks the, the impressiveness of being around GA day to day all year long, the consistency of human and the consistency of character the consistency of work ethic. You don't see it in the NBA. You really don't. I've been around a lot of good players. I've been around a lot of good teams. He's a different breed. Um, He's a really, really, and Chris too. I love Chris. Chris is fun. When he bought into the bullets, we've been talking quite a bit throughout this and, but it's just, they're both of them, but GA, especially it's, it's so impressive. I, I was fortunate enough to grow up around Tim Duncan and see a little bit, someone in that same mold of just focus and consistency. And, you know, Giannis probably gets caught up in like, everyone thinks he's so serious. He's actually really fun too. And, you know, he, he has some lighthearted moments, but the way he works and the way he holds count- people accountable through his work ethic is, is something that's really special.
0: Yeah, I love that you brought up that comp because that's one that we've talked about. I know some people are in or on the Bucks org have said too of like that, that Spursiness, right? Like wanting to emulate the Spurs. And if every team wants to emulate the Spurs, I mean, what five titles? Johnny like won't. it's, <laughs> well, for a long time. Um, and I think still, but I mean, it's uh, of course uh, RC Buford instrumental there, your, your father, and Pop, of course, legendary coach. And I thought of that when you mentioned, you know, like sw- sweat equity. Him doing the defensive drills right after they got gold, like Pop still getting down too. But, but the Spursy thing, it only works if you have the guy to build around, right? Like that's the key. You need the Duncan, you need the Giannis. So I think the the organization, of course, deserves credit. You know, you cannot win a championship alone. You need the right pieces in place on the coaching staff and on the roster around him. But it all it all starts with Giannis. So it's just awesome to hear that you know. It's not just people saying stuff because he's the franchise guy. Like He really is that kind of person and player.
1: 100%. And i I throw Drew into that group too. I mean, Drew is a special, special guy. Great personality. Just funny, smart, um, competitive, obviously, as you see. But, uh, you know, he added something, I think, to this group too. Maybe not that it was missing, but that was really refreshing. And I think his his smile, it's, I mean, what a beautiful smile he has, but he shows it off a lot. And I think our group fed off that, you know, his spirit, Bobby's spirit, PJ, when he came in, um, you know, Giannis is so, he's a little quiet and and focused, but Drew too is is special. But yeah, you go back to Giannis and Tim, it's like, I think anybody in San Antonio would tell you they wouldn't have any rings without, and be where they are without Timmy. And Obviously, they're different people, but Giannis in that same vein, when you have a superstar that has the character and the work ethic that he does and the uh, the humility and unselfishness to go along with it, it makes it really easy to coach everybody else because what can you do when he acts like that? So
2: it's sort of these things that just make it so special. It's like the culmination of everything. It's like great player, great organization, great coaching, just everything coming together. And that came together for the Milwaukee Bucks. You mentioned uh, just going back to uh, you were sort of getting the job with Sydney. You mentioned you had a hard time keeping your head on straight. Like me as a person who's covering this team, I was having a, key, a tough time <laughs> keeping my sanity during that playoff run. I have no idea how you managed to not only be a part of the organization while trying to get a new job and then going through it with the team. I just, just, hats off.
0: Yeah.
2: A lot of two, 3
1: a.m. conference <laughs> calls with Australia. <laughs> The pregame
2: maps were important for sure. <laughs> have you, uh, have you started sort of, I'm sure like you can't get into the full details, but how has this process sort of started with you in Sydney? Are you in contact with any of like the players sort of getting like your schemes and stuff together? Like how, how, how far are you into this process?
1: Yeah. You know, it's cool. Um, you get you go to a G league job and you don't have any players yet. Probably you get hired and then you fill out the roster later in a lot of regards here we had, you know, a bunch of people under contract coming back, and when the news broke, I had, you know, almost the entire team reaching out via phone or text, and that was really special to me to see. So I've had the conversations going for a while. I'm, I'm trying to. I want to get on the floor with the guys first before I give them too much of how we want to play and things like that. But um, no, it's it's been a it's been a fun process. It's like I said, it's been worldwide whirlwind. I mean, we got won the championship on Tuesday. I left for Chicago Thursday night to pack up all my stuff after the parade. We headed down Saturday morning, you know, got COVID, quarantined, got engaged, came down here quarantining again. So, I feel like I'm just now having a chance where I can work and, and
0: start to prepare a little bit. We sold your your journey short on the intro. That's even even more yeah. stuff <laughs> that I knew about. My goodness, um, I, I was just I'm glad that you threw in you made the parade. I know we were we were so worried it's such a first world problem to worry about, but like did Drew and Chris have to go to team USA before the parade? Can they make the parade? It was so, so happy that everyone got to basically, except for, of course people had to quarantine. I don't know if Saint could make it. I know Thanasis was kind of in his own vehicle. It's an odd situation, but glad that at least sort of everyone could make it for that before everyone had their other responsibilities and jobs and everything else.
1: Yeah. My, my fiance, Kelly and I, we left, Right after the bus portion to try to beat traffic, we didn't even it <laughs> the stage. Um, but yeah, no, I. You bring up Saint. That's the one I feel feels so hard for because he's yeah. such an integral part of that staff and and such a close connect to Bud and everything he does. For him to be in Phoenix at the end was really hard. I know they they had a party with him and, and tried to celebrate a little later, but he, he he was a huge part of this group, and for him not to be there was a sad one. For sure.
2: Yeah. it's uh, it's tough. Like you mentioned, St. Andrew's getting uh, not being able to be in part of that. Uh, the as Ty mentioned earlier, it's just it's just tough. I know you've talked previously about like you have no idea who's going to be able to play in these sort of games. That adds to the stress of it. It just I again, you need to write a book on like stress management, and anxiety management, because that it's just what what a time. That's all I can say. You could write a book on the stress and anxiety from
1: game probably two or three in the finals to game six. I mean, the false positives, the family positives. And then Phoenix went through it, too. They had travel party members, family members. And, you know, t- seemed like a different set of rules depending on who you were for all that stuff. But uh, in terms of contract chasing, yeah. both for them and us at certain levels. But I think <laughs> when the Gnosis went down, that... 36 hours before game five or six. It was just like, oh, please let G.A. Play. <laughs> please let <laughs> play. I, I joked by my dad. I said, I think the NBA took his test every time and went right in the trash. <laughs> uh, <dude." laughs> and they weren't allowing that to happen. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that was a, that would have been a disaster. But glad we were able to get through.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm glad everybody, not, not just outside of the team, but in the team as well, was just like, please God, no, like, come on, like seriously after all this, but thankfully, uh, whatever way it turned out, um, GA was able to play every game after somehow it actually just hey, what, what, what
1: a decent game six he had too. Yeah, not not right. too bad, right. not
0: too bad. I still can't believe, like, I have to remind myself every so often. It was like, what, literally one week after his knee goes the wrong way, he comes back for the game, one of the finals, like everything about that Bucks run was just the first person who gets to, to me and faders to the great Giannis book. We're going to talk to you around his pod, another pod soon, but just like the inside story of the whole playoffs, just the playoffs could probably be a thousand pages, my goodness. But yeah, Um glad it worked out. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. I mean, each series was a, probably an own, you know, chapter novel in and of itself. So
0: they never I love that they never led a series after 48 minutes. They win game one against Miami, but obviously it's it's OT. It's kind of how that run went. It was very, very up and down all the way throughout. But more ups in the first round, more ups overall. Uh, and that's what matters. But um, Rohan, do you have any uh, any other questions here? Or Have we subjected Chase to enough of our uh, our inquisition?
2: Honestly, I'm in shock about that 48 minute thing. I didn't know that. You just dropped it. I didn't either. That's a hell of a stat.
0: I hadn't said on the pod before. Yeah, no, they never led a series after 48 minutes. I had to, I would have been great to say after game one, but, you know, Miami couldn't get it done. What a shame. That must
1: mean that Bud makes adjustments.
0: There we go. Here's the outside of, I think, the game Giannis got hurt. They never lost after game two of a series, I think. There is a lot of evidence to Bud being. Game yeah. I'm sorry, that was the one. Yeah. Game five, Brooklyn is the one they, and that one was legit. Like KD was just my God. I mean, that whole series, KD was like, my God, but yeah, they, they were very, very good after game two of every single series. It's a fun
1: great, Yeah. Credit to those guys for coming in with a plan, but again, being flexible. Um, it was, it was fun to watch our guys buy in. And, and again, when things went wrong, that was such a cool thing about the resilience of our group. Never lost faith. You know, it was Hey, what are we gonna do? Okay, this is what we're doing, and we're gonna go out and compete and do it with our fullest. And yeah, this resiliency of that group was special.
0: I remember when like they were talking to PJ. I think right after the game at Giannis goes down and they lose, you guys lose, and I just remember he was going like, "I just thought thought we're not going out like this. We're not going out like this." And obviously, they come back and win the next two, which at the time it was like great. They're at the finals, but if Giannis doesn't play, it's gonna be so hard and everything else. And then of course he comes back, and I think back now like. If you lose the rope there, obviously if you lose the Atlanta series, nothing else happens. Giannis never gets a chance to play. It really does speak to the whole team, even outside of Giannis, and not him not being around, at least on the court. But I just, I love that Bobby Portis closes game five, game six at the five. Like talk about adjustment, your guy, Bobby, our guy, Bobby, but talk about adjustments. everybody. Milwaukee's guy. Bobby. I, think that, I
1: think the city of Milwaukee needs to pitch in a few million
0: dollars to help that salary. We're, oh, we're yeah. going, we're, we're going to sell out every, every uh, series sure. of underdog. Every underdog merch is getting sold out by Milwaukee for sure. We got him. Yeah. You got the key to the city in Little Rock today. Milwaukee's got to follow oh. it up, man. He's got to get Milwaukee too.
2: Yeah,
0: no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's
1: he's a special person, man. It's It was really fun on a personal level with the relationship I'd built before just to see him come in and, and do well. And obviously, like you said, the Atlanta series, play so well at the end, give us a chance, and then tell in the finals. I mean, yeah. it was
2: great. It was yeah, It's just a, it's a story of resiliency. That's the word you keep mentioning, I keep mentioning. This guy, it's just like just his entire life story – And plus, like even throughout the playoffs, not playing down the stretch in the Brooklyn series, closing out the finals. You just couldn't. It's just you could not have this happen to like a better group of people. And just like the stories all culminating together. That's my takeaway from this. I don't know about you, Ty, but just, yeah, it's just perfect stories. And I think uh, I think one of them is going to be continuing in Australia (laughs) now.
0: There you go.
1: We'll see. Uh, I, I've, I've got a bronze medalist staying a few, few doors down that was on my flight. Um, hopefully he has less success next year well, on a personal level. I wish Patty a lot of success, <laughs> but on a team last night, hopefully uh, he gets another third place finish or so next year.
0: <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, it would be uh, be great if, if Patty had a great season and a great series and a, a tight loss to the Bucks. I'd, I'd take that for sure. Um, but that that's awesome. But um, Chase, so like I- a
2: few doors down.
1: Uh, maybe a few floors up. He was on my flight down there We checked in, rode the bus, and stuff to quarantine
0: together. So, oh, yeah, he's, awesome. he's got the new contract. He might be uh in the, the penthouse at the, the quarantine yeah. hotel. I don't know if it works like that. save
1: a different reserve room for guys who have 40 plus in a medal game than the
0: yeah. not Olympians. <laughs> that's also, yeah, I, got, I I don't know what I was thinking. I don't think Patty has to pay for all that much in Australia after, after that run, but um, that that's terrific. Um, but, but uh, I think Rohan, are we are we? Are we good? Have we exhausted them? I'm worried if uh, we just we- keep talking about championship memories, it might be a really long podcast.
2: Yeah, we we might go forever here. So uh, I think we, I think we've picked enough of your brain for now. It's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It's uh, everyone, make sure you are watching the Sydney Kings. Make sure you're seeing how you can uh, see see if he see if he's picked up anything from Coach Bud. See if you can find those uh, sort of similarities in game and. His own coaching style, I'll say that. But uh, uh, Coach Buford, is there anything that we should specifically be looking for in your time at Sydney? Oh, hopefully some championships. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I
1: think I'm still at a place where I love seeing people move on in their careers. And, you know, the NBL, as great as it is, it's still behind the NBA. And so if we can win some championships and help some guys achieve some dreams in the process, that would be pretty special. Just That's following the
0: we, following the herd blueprint and playing random, I, I, I suppose all the way throughout, right?
1: I mean, if you watch the herd, we were pretty random. So yeah.
0: uh,
1: you know, <laughs> there, there, there's a beauty in
2: unpredictability. Here, here, absolutely. So watch out for some championships one at a time uh, from NBA champion Chase Buford. Thank you again for taking the time. Make sure, like I said, make sure you watch all the Sydney. Sydney Kings games, uh, the NBA. It's, it's very fun. I've been catching a few games now that it's very fun. It's a different style. It's, it's, it's interesting and it's actually very entertaining. So make sure you actually watch those games. And like you said, Chris Middleton in Brisbane with the uh, ownership stakes. So uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a little bit of a divide there between the Bucks fandom, but uh, again, thank you coach. It's been an absolute pleasure and thank you to everyone listening. For well, listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy, make sure you leave your five-star rating. Make sure you're subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. Check out all of the content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe. Go Bucks. Go herd, Go Kings. And we will talk to you next time.